Okay, let's get into discussion of Parshas Va'era, Tavshin Ayin Vav, as we start off the, continue, I should say, the Parsha relating to the story of uh, Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. We have the first seven Makos in the Parsha, seven and three split up. Interesting that it's split up that way, seven, a unit, uh, and then three, the final three in next week's Parsha. But we start off with the name, the name Va'era, the root of Va'era. So usually Lubavitcher Rebbe comments on the name of the Parsha, but here we have it from Sefer that we haven't really uh, touched on or quoted in the past, the Touched by a Story series, the Touched by the Parsha. Rabbi Spiro writes in his, uh, in his Sefer on this week's Parsha that Va'era uh, at root is from the word Re'ia, seeing. Throughout the story, the process of the story, Re'ia and eyes play a major role. Here, Va'era, Hashem is saying, I appeared to Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, the uh, Chulu. But if we look, Re'ia throughout, and it starts off with a medrash that many are familiar with. The medrash comes in different forms, and there's different lists in various medrashim. But if you look in the Mechilta, in source number one, the four reasons, the four zechuyos that Am Yisrael had to be zochet, to merit, uh, to be nigal, redeemed from Mitzrayim. They weren't really mitzvos. Chazal tell us they didn't have any mitzvos until we had Dam Pesach and Dam Mila. But what was it that we did? So, Shaloshinu Ashmam, our name, Shaloshinu Ashmabusham, Shaloshinu Ashlashonam, Shaloshinu different, they didn't speak Lashon Hara, there's different versions of, of the list. But one of the ones on the list in the Mechilta, the first one on the list is Shalonechshedu al Ha'arayos. That we kept uh, appropriate relationships, even though it was before Maimon Arsinai, but we kept Shalonechshedu al Ha'arayos. Explains um, Rabbi Spiro in his Sefer, the first step in keeping proper halachos of Arayos is with the eyes. If we guard our eyes at what we're looking at and who we're looking at and where we're looking, that is the ultimate guard in terms of prevention. So Chai Yisrael obviously were, were um, powerful enough. Ezuhi Gibar, Akovish Yitzram, they were powerful enough to control their eyes and in that way merited Shalonechshadu al Ha'arayos. But this was already, he suggests, given to them in their DNA from Yosef Atzadik. The Pazik tells us, at the end of Rashis, he quotes it on line 21. As HaKadosh Baruch Hu promises to Yaakov Avinu, We spoke about one shot of that a couple of weeks ago, but another deeper idea. Yosef will put his hand on your eyes. What does that mean? Yosef had a koach in his eyes. Yosef symbolizes the personality in the Torah of Kfisha Sayyitzer, overcoming and controlling one's desire. There's nobody greater than Yosef, as the Gemara describes in Sota as well. Yosef keeps it, so what does Yosef do? Yashiz Yadcha Aleinecha. He'll put his hand, he'll give you the koach to control one's eyes and in that way to control one's in the area of, of Arayos. Yosef put it into our, into our DNA. And if we continue, we know maybe the ultimate, the climax of Maimon Harsina, of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim comes in a couple of weeks, Kriyas Yamsuf, as Chazal tell us, the greatest divine national revelation that ever took place. And Chazal describe it again in terms of Re'iya. Ro'asa, Shivcha al-Hayam, Mashalo Ro'a ben Buzi. The lowest maidservant at Yamsuf was able to see what Yecheskel Anavi, the Maisa Merkava, the greatest 
personal prophecy. The Re'iya, because they guarded, and what they looked at, so that's why they were Zoha to the level of vision that they achieved at, at Kriyas Yamsuf. And he continues, if you look on the bottom of the page, line 36, two of the mitzvos. There are many mitzvos that we know that we have that are related to Yetzias Mitzrayim that are supposed to remind us. We mentioned many times the Rambana, next week's parsha that discusses why there are so many mitzvos related and Zecher Yetzias Mitzrayim. It's not even close. We are about 10 to 15 mitzvos. To remind us of Yetzias Mitzrayim, what's the next event that gets mitzvos? Maybe one, maybe two, that's it. But Yetzias Mitzrayim has 10 to 15 mitzvos. Two of them are tefillin and tzitzis. Two of the mitzvahs that are supposed to remind us of Yetzias Mitzrayim. Tefillin we say every morning. We say the, uh, the Hinini Muchan, those who have the minak to say it. And tzitzis. Adi Hashem Elokeichem. Asher Otsis Mitzrayim. As the uh, Pasuk says at the end of Parsha Shlach. Both tzitzis and tefillin have a re'iya element to them have something to do with the eyes. The power of the eyes, the power of vision. Tzitzis, we know. Right? To see the tzitzis. The re'iyah, u're'isim oso. There's only a mitzvah of tzitzis by yom. Because there's re'isim oso. And tefillin as well. As we know, continuing on the next page, the tefillin shall rosh is put bain e'necha. Even though it's not really put bain e'necha. It's put on the forehead, above the hairline. Bain Einecha, but that's how it's formulated. Bain Einecha, between the eyes. He doesn't quote it, but also the Gemara in Brachas that darshans the Pasuk in Parshas Kisavo on the Tefillin Shal Rosh. Vira'u kalame ha'aretz, all the nations of the world will see. That's why the Tefillin Shal Rosh cannot be covered, unlike the Tefillin Shal Yad. Vira'u kalame ha'aretz, kishem Hashem nikra alecha. We know the earliest time to put on tzitzes and tefillin is not from dawn. Right? If somebody wakes up at dawn and wants to daven, they can start davening, but without tzitzes and tefillin, that requires a little bit later. When I can recognize different colors, when I can recognize an acquaintance of mine, dalad amas away, but it's all about re'iyah. That's what the process is about, Va'era. Va'era starts us off. We already had Shmos, that Shaloshino Hashmam. That was last week's parasha. But this week's parasha, we have Va'era, which is the root, is Re'iya, and that's the second on the list. That we were Poresh Minha Arayos, and that starts with Re'iya. And finally, the punchline that he says is, we know Re'iya has to do with the Ayin. Ayin, obviously, is the word, but the letter Ayin in Gematria, we know, is 70. The 70 nefashas that Am Yisrael started off with in Mitzrayim. The Re'iya, the power of Re'iya was given to them by Yosef. Yashas Yadav Aleinecha. And those Shivim Nefesh, the 70 souls you see at the end now, who went down to Mitzrayim, guarding our eyes, enabled us to break free of the shackles of Mitzrayim and help to pave the path of redemption for the descendants of those Shivim Nefesh. So Re'iya plays a role. Lamaisa, obviously, there's so much that we have, there's so much Kedusha Right, the uh, many sources quote that the idea of the eyes are the gateway to the soul that we can get through. But what we show our eyes, what we allow our eyes to see, is so crucial in terms of kedusha v'tara, and we have to do our best in this area to continue the kedusha that was given to us by our forefathers in Mitzrayim. Okay, that starts us off. Va'era and Re'iya and Yosef and Tfilin and Tzitzis and Ayin. 
and all of the related issues. So now let's get into the Parsha. So Hashem says to Moshe, I appeared to Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, even though the end of the previous Parsha, Moshe complained, things aren't going so well, things have gotten worse. Hashem says, don't worry, I have heard, I have heard the Na'akaz B'nai Yisrael, and now please tell Am Yisrael. And we have the famous four Lashonos of Geula, so much of what we talk about here, we've overlapped with some of our Pesach Shirem and our Agadah Shirem, Votsesi, Vitsalti, Vagaalti, Vilakachti, all of the Dal Lashonos of, of Geula, Vilakachti, Eschem Lila, Vaisi Lachem Lelokim, Vechulu. So Hashem tells Moshe, go tell them, give them this message, it's going to be okay. And Moshe says, they're not going to listen. Hashem says, no, don't worry, go and tell them. Moshe says, Parot, B'nai Yisrael didn't listen. Parot's going to listen. The process. And then all of a sudden we have, Pasuk Yudalad, Eila Rashi Beisavosam, we have the whole lineage of Klal Yisrael. Or we think we're going to have the lineage of Klal Yisrael. And yet it stops in the middle. Eila Rashi Beisavosam, B'nai Ruvain, we go through Ruvain, Bechar Yisrael, Chanoch, Chanoch is on the list. Chanoch is a unique name in the Torah, the only name in the Torah that four different people had that name. There were four Chanochs in the Torah. Chanoch, Ufalu, Chetzron, Becharmi, Elish, Chosruvein, Uvene Shimon. We go through Shimon's family. Veilish, Mos, Bene, Levi. We go through Levi's family. And then it ends. Only Ruvein, Shimon, and Levi. Nothing else. Where's the rest of Klal Yisrael? Says Rashi. Says Rashi, really the, the point here was not to discuss the entire lineage of the nation. We've done that before and we'll do that later. But why is this here? Says Rashi, Ela Rashi Beisavosam, Mitok Shahuskak, Liachesh Shivto Shalevi, and Moshe Aaron. Since we had to give the lineage of Moshe and Aaron, who were the great leaders that were doing everything they could now. So once we started Sheva Levi, Bishvil Moshe Aaron, so you might as well start at the beginning. Levi's third. So once you mention the third, you might as well say, mention the first two. Reuven, Shimon, Levi. Good. That's Rashi. Asks Rabbi Yosef Nechem Yekornitzer. The final Rav in Krakow. Source number four. Pirish Rashi, he quotes on the top right, he quotes Rashi. Question. What do you mean? But that itself begs the question. We're in the middle of a story. It's very exciting. If we try to get into it, like a child who's never heard the story before, try to get into the personalities and the characters and the story, what's going to happen? The tension. It's gotten worse. Hashem says it's going to be okay. What's next? Let's talk about family trees. It's like breaks it. Why is it? What do we, what do we need to know that? Well, we know Moshe, we know who Moshe and Aaron are. Right? We already know that from before. So we have to have Shuruvan and Shimon because we have to talk about Sheva Levi because of Moshe and Aaron. What do we need any of that for? Umilo Sagi Yisrael. Later on, when we talk about all of Klai Yisrael, just mention them then. Question number one. Let me ask another question. And then hopefully we'll be able to answer both. We know also, a little bit later on, we're going to have the signs. Moshe Rabbeinu's osos that he shows to Paro. And one of the first signs is the sign of the Mate. Right, we have later on, Perek, Zion, Pasuk, Tess, after Revi, Ki daber alechem paro lemar, tznu lachem ofes, v'yamartel aran kaches matcha, v'ashlech lefnei paro yehi litanin. 
The mater, the staff, will change into a tanin. Let's translate it as a snake for now. They come and they do it. Review, we didn't do it, we're not doing it again this year. The Bear Yosef's unbelievable thought on the why this is the first sign, but uh, just as a mar makom. Paro then calls all of his chartumim, all of his magicians, and they do the same thing. They take their staffs, they change them into stakes, and they say, what do you... What do you think you're doing? You're bringing, you're bringing magic into the king of the, the capital of magic in the world? And what happens after that? A little detail. They did it, but then Aaron's mata swallowed up their matos. And Rashi points out in the name of Chazal, it doesn't say Aaron's tanin swallowed up their taninim, but it was even after it turned back into a stick, it swallowed them up. Unbelievable nace. Why do we need that nace for? Every nace was to prove something. Right? Moshe Rabbeinu's arm got saras because he was saying Lashon Hara about Klai Yisrael. Every every nace, every os has a specific tailored purpose. So what is it? Why did we have to know this nace that Aram prayed back into a matah? And Bichlal, what's the message? What's the message of the What does that have to be the first the first of the signs to show to show Paro. Again, the Ber Yosef gives a different shot, but says Reb Yosef Nechemia, line thirteen. What do you need the nace for, and why this detail of the nace that it was only after it changed back into a mate? Do we then uh, have Aaron's staff? Swallowing them up. So why is it? What's the significance of the mata? And just to add on, by every maka, take the mata, take the mata. What's so significant about this mata? What's so significant? Why did she, why was it the first sign? Why did change? In, why did it swallow it up even after it became in the mata? He says the secret is a zohar akadosh. The secret's a zohar. Line 18. The Zohar in this week's parsha. Ama Rebbe Lazar. Tipach Ruchehon. Line 19. Tipach Ruchehon. Let the spirit of those de'inun amrin, those who do not believe in Tchiyas HaMesim, let their spirits rot. Right? Tipach Ruchehon. Why? What does that have to do with us? Let those fools come and see. In the hand of Aaron was a dry wooden staff. And Hashem at that moment. What did Hashem do with this dry, dead Stick, he gave it life. Hashem gave this staff life. Enin Gufin, and this stick was never alive. Okay, maybe it was a it was a tree, but that's not alive in halacha, right? We have it was it was it wasn't as we know it was someach, right? The kuzari domain someach chay It wasn't chay, so it was there, but it it got life. Enun Gufin, so these bodies. The Havibu Ruchim and Kadishin that used to have holy life, 
v'natri pikudei araisa and kept the Torah v'ishtadlu baraisa yamam of alayla and worked in the Torah day and night v'kutshabrichu tamir lohon ba'afra Hashem hides them in the dirt temporarily l'basar bezimna diyach diyama when the time comes alachas kama v'kama diyave luhu brechet brirya chadasa if even a stick could become alive then surely people who used to be alive and have been osik Torah and mitzvahs and have earned life surely shall become alive. The stick represents a kalvachomer to tchias hamesim. But then the Zohar quotes one additional shita. Vilo od ela. Not only do, do we believe of tchias hamesim that there will be life, but we as Am Yisrael. We believe in something even deeper. Not only do we believe that they will become alive, we believe that they are alive right now. We believe that the neshama, we believe that there is so much of our departed ones, there is so much of all of those in history that are still alive. Through their death, they're still alive. So it's not just that they will become alive, they are alive now. We just don't see it as that. Nira says Rabbi Yosef Nechemya. That's the additional point. Kavanas, de Balahosef, Shegedolim, Sadikim, Shaapim, Isasan, Lopaska, Chiusamayalam, Sifsosav, Dobavos, Bekever, their lips talk in the grave. Vigamzen Nirmas, and that's what's alluded to. In the mate, not only can the mate become a nachash, but even after the mate turns back into a mate, and you think it's dead and dry, it can still swallow up the others because it has life right now. Even when it looks like it's dry and just a piece of wood, that's the symbol of that little detail of an ace. Shalorachin is hapech meitz yavish labir yachaya. Not only did it flip, shezem more bakal v'chomer al tchias amesim kanal. Even when it dried up again. Okay, now it's dead again. No. It still could accomplish. Because those Even after this, it swallowed up the mate. That's the mate, and that's the symbol of the mate. So why did Moshe take it? Next column, Venire. Why was this the first sign? Paro, you think I'm coming, I'm coming as an independent new entity right now. Says Moshe, I'm on giants' soldiers, shoulders. I'm not here just because of me. I'm here based on a lineage that we have. You don't want to start up with us. I'm warning you, Paro. Before anything happens, here's my mate. What is mate? Those in the past are with me. The zchuyos of those in the past. You know what I got here? I have Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, and the Shvatim in my mate. I have all the zchuyos, and by every maka, I take it with me. Because that's the power of the mate. And that's the power why we need the lineage. Right here, the makos are about to start. At least up into Moshe and Aaron. V'nirek yutzrach Moshe laharos os laparo rishon tchilo lachalam ofsim leimar shaftilu im zoch lo zochu Yisrael b'schus atzmam 
You think, well, what, what kind of God like this people? They don't do anything. They haven't done any mitzvos. I haven't given them a moment to do anything righteous. Who cares about those, those forefathers? What do they have to do with me? No, the mata changes to a nachash. And even at, while it's a mata, it could swallow up. And that's what, that's why I skip a couple of lines. Every time that Am Yisrael needed the Nate Siva Hashem Lakaches as Amata Azeh Lo Oer Zchus Yishene Afar. That's why it's the first. That's the why it's specific. That's why he takes it with us, and that's why also he says maybe this is also alluded to in the Mishnah in Pirkei Avos in the second parak, where the Mishnah tells us on line eighteen, Kala Oskim Ematzibur Yu Oskim Imahem L'Shem Shamayim Shezchus Avosam Misayasam. Anyone is Osek. In Tzarchei Tzibor, there should be Osek L'Shem Shemayim, and they should realize there's Chus Avos is with them. Anybody who's working for God has Chus Avos with them. It's, it, all expenses, you know, are, are taken off the top. Chus Avos. You're working for God, Kodesh Baruch Hu says, I got it covered, you have the Chus of the Avos. And that's why Moshe Rabbeinu, you don't get a greater Osek for Tzarchei Tzibor than Moshe Rabbeinu, he has the Chus Avos with him throughout the time in Mitzrayim. Okay, something very special. Let's continue now with a, a thought which had to be in this week's Parsha Shir. You know, those who, uh, who are aware, we know this, uh, this week Klai Yisrael lost, lost a, major, a major leader, Rabbi Cooperman, the founder of the Michlala, and uh, one of the, uh, the major starters of, of women's education that we are familiar with today, very full, full of Torah, full of Shmiras Halacha, so, it's within 48 hours of the, of the, of the Kfura to mention, to mention a thought from one of his svarim. One of his svarim, also a very beautiful idea. Amram, in this lineage that we have of Moshe Rabbeinu's family, we know Moshe's father. Moshe's father and Moshe's mother. Amram es Yocheved Dodaso. Says it explicitly. Moshe's parents were a nephew and an aunt, right? Moshe's mother was Yocheved, who was the daughter of Levi. Moshe's father was Amram, who was the son of Kahas, who was the son of Levi. So it was an aunt and a nephew, which is an Isidar Isa after the Torah was given. But the Torah says it, right? Rabbi Kuberin quotes in the Sefer Kedushas Pshuto Shomikra, which obviously was one of his major themes of seeing Chazal, in the Pshat, and that's why he was very fond of the Meshachachma and the Ksava Kabbalah and those Svarim from the 1800s that connected the Torah Shavah into the Torah Shavah He quotes the Baal Yatosvis and the Eben Ezra and Rabbeinu Bachai, who all point out a fascinating Ha'ara. And that is, if you look in Parshas Kedoshim, Achremos and Kedoshim, where all the Arayos are listed, Parsha's Achremos has all the warnings. Usser, 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 usser. Kedoshim has all the punishments. Kari's, 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 kari's. Right? All the punishments and all the, all the warnings, all the punishments. There are two Isurim in Parsha's Kedoshim where the punishment, kares, is not explicit. It's usser, it's usser in Parsha's Achremos. But the punishments are not explicit. What are they? 
the Isser of an aunt and the Isser of two sisters. Those are the two that are not Mefurish Bikra. Explains Rabbeinu Bachai, explains the Eben Ezra, turning over the page now, because the Torah wanted to have a little covet for Amram, for Yocheved, and for Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu, of course, married two sisters, Amram and Yocheved, a nephew and an aunt. An uncle is allowed to marry a niece, but a nephew cannot marry an aunt. So that's why the Torah doesn't say it mufurish kares in Parshas Kedoshim. Adkan divrei harishonim. Ask of Cooperman, line 11. This gives them covered? I don't understand. How do, we're giving them great respect. We all know what the halacha is. We all know that it's a chiv kares. How does not writing it explicitly give Amram any honor? So you're hiding a little bit. But that doesn't give him any honor. That doesn't raise him up. Right? We, Yaakov Avinu is raised up because it doesn't... We know that Allah is kares. So what? That if it doesn't say it explicitly. Line 12. Be'etzem. Maho ila ha-Torah. Pahash matasa l'gabi kvodem shal shnei gedolem elu. Isser mefurish b'Torah gambelionish. In Achremos it says it's Usser. right? Vishal achosal osika litzror. Pasuk about marrying two sisters. It says it's Usser. If it's Usser, it's obviously going to be a punishment. It's surrounded by Arayos, so it's one of the Arayos. So we know it's kares. So how does it help? Kare kolome Torah yodeya sheim avru alaveira shar achrei matan Torah nasser b'isser kares. Everybody knows that they violated something. That the Torah was later going to Usser. So how does it help? Lamai nafgamina is it anyway, he asks, of line 20. Lamai nafgamina in makar ha'onesh, hu bipshuto shal mikra, o'al yidei Torah shabal peh. What difference does it make halachically, or hashkafically, whether the iser is explicit in the text, or not? Nireh, it appears to me, he says, to explain as follows. A couple of steps, till we get to an answer. Step number one putting together a number of items from others before him. Step number one, we know that I'm, uh, the umos, the avos ha'uma, Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov, all of the greats that started our nation, they kept the Torah before it was given. Step one. Right? Kiem Avram Avinu, Kalatarakula, Achalo Nitna. Tariq Mitzvah Shamarti by Yaakov Avinu. We know the avos kept the Kalatarakula, Achalo Nitna. But... Because they were keeping it as enam mitzuvin ve'osim, they were not commanded. They were volunteering the mitzvos. They were commanded, so there was some flexibility. Meaning, if they saw beruach kadsham, if they saw with their ruach hakodesh that this was the destiny, this is what I have to do. So then they did it, even though it was aser. We don't have that liberty anymore. I have a dream. I, oh, I, I have a dream that I need to eat this piece of treif. I wake up, I had a vision from God. I have to eat the piece of treif. Chas v'shalom. Chas v'shalom. What, my Ruach HaKodesh? Chas v'shalom. Yaakov Avinu. Baruch Kacho. Rachel Amaya. Amram and Yocheved. So yes, they kept Kala Torah Kula, but they had flexibility. Number one. Number two. In this flexibility, where, in quotes... They were allowed to violate. It wasn't really a violation. But they were allowed to violate in Isser, again in quotes, 
it would be better just as it was after the Torah was given to violate a lesser of an Isser than a greater Isser. Barur, line 28. Ki adif adam azakok laheter lo lehizdakek laheter bedavar chamor. If I have to violate, if somebody's pikuach nefesh, it's better to do an Isser Durabana than to do an Isser Daraisa. It's better to do an Isser Lav than to do an Isser Misa. It's always better to do less. Step number two. So even if a heter is needed, we try to do the less usher thing. <coughs> Step number three, he says now. The moment that somebody has to rely on a heter, even if they have that halachic validity to rely on the heter, you know, if my neshama was really perfect, I don't, wouldn't have to rely on any heterim. The fact that I'm... Human, the fact that I'm on such a level, I, I need the heter. You know, if I was where I should be, if I was on a higher level, so then he says, I wouldn't even have to rely on any heter. Like the Gemara says, I got a spark who protects, you know, maybe takawa, the So the fact that I have to rely reflects something about my state, about my religious state. I'm allowed to. But the lesser, the better. Final step, and then we wrap it up. He quotes the Nitziv. He quotes the Maharal also, but he quotes the Nitziv. Everything that I'm saying here outside, he quotes based on earlier sources. He quotes the Nitziv as follows. On the next page, the Nitziv mentions that in Halacha, there are four levels of kares. Four levels on line 28. He kares, ti kares, hanefesh hahi. Onesh kares kaful. Where the Torah says a double lashon of kares. He kares, he kares. That's the most stringent. Gam ba'olam hazeh v'gan ba'olam haba. Next, lest. V'nichrasa nevejahi. O ba'olam hazeh, o ba'olam haba. One word of kares. Three. Yichras Hashem la'ish asher yasena er ba'ona. Kares in a pasuk in Navi. That's a third level. And then, the most lenient, weakest Chiv Kares, it's where it's purely Torah Shavalka. That's the, obviously, every Kares is terrible, but the weakest Isser of Kares is the Kares that's not explicit in the text. Cesare Cooperman put it all together. Amram, Yaakov Avinu, they had to violate. They saw Baruch Kachem that even though they kept all the other mitzvahs, they had to violate these mitzvahs. But the Torah wanted to show that they were on such a high level that their neshamas didn't warrant from them to have to rely on a heter of any of the more stringent chiyuve krisos. And by the fact that the Torah leaves out the chiyuv of kares by these two, dafka, by sisters and by aunts, that shows that these are lesser chiyuve kares. Why does it say that? To, to give us kavod, positive kavod, to show us how pure and elevated were the neshamas of Amram and Yocheved and Yaakov Avinu. Yes, they had to violate, but it was the lowest violation possible within the world of Arayos. It wasn't explicit to show that it was a lesser of an Avera, so the heter that they required didn't impact as much. Because again, if you remember, it did impact. He doesn't quote it, but the Gemara at the end of Psachim, the Gemara tells us the great story 
of the Suda that's going to take place when Mashiach comes. And they're going to have the Suda shell of Yasan. It's going to be an amazing Suda. And then it's going to be, everybody's going to sing Shira Malas. Time to bench. Who's going to bench? So Bechavot, everybody's going, to, everybody's going to be looking around. The trillions of Jews are going to be waiting. You know, the people at the dais, they're going to have to figure it out. Avram, please. And Avram says, I, I can't, I can't. I had a Yishmael. Yitzchak, please. I had, a, I had an Esav. Yaakov, I, I married two sisters. I married two sisters? Yes, because that's a stain, because it was a heter. That's exactly this idea. Of course he was allowed to do it. And he was supposed to do it, and it was the destiny of Klal Yisrael. But it still reflected something. But because it wasn't Mefurish Bekra, so that's why that gives kavod to these people. The Torah, the Pshuto Shel Mikra, reflecting on something that we wouldn't have appreciated had the Torah not, not have made that distinction between the, the Arias. Okay, that's what he says at the end. Iaksiva, Loba, Lahaster, Dabar, Meitanu. The lack of writing the Krisas doesn't hide anything from us. Just the opposite. Kiyam legalos lanu. S-O-M-S. It's to reveal to us the truth. Odos otzmas ha-onesh ba-averazos. Regarding the level of the inherent stringency of the avera. Umemela. Nimsena lamedim. Dabar chashuv. Odos dargaso kvoto shal amram. And umemela, you then learn about amram, who we spoke about last week, certain mitzvos that he had. Any heter of an even a more stringent karis would be worse. This was the lowest one, which reflected positively on Amram and Yaakov Avina. Okay, moving right along. So if we get to the end of the lineage, we have a sum up. After we have the families of Levi, again, there's so much of these parashiyats, it's... Uh, so it's not fair to have to squeeze it in to all, to all one parsha, but we have to do what we can. So at the end, we have in Pasik Chavav, who Aaron Umoshe is like getting back to where we were. We had been in the middle of a story, went to lineage, and the Torah said, wants to remind us where we were, where, when we last met. Who Aaron Umoshe, Hashem Laem, This is the Aaron and the Moshe that Hashem told them to take B'nai Yisrael. Out. Hey, Mama Dabrim, Mitzrayim. Who Moshe the Aaron? This is Moshe and Aaron. So the question that Chazal are already bothered by is: first it says who Aaron Moshe in Pasach Chavav. Just having that pasuk that wouldn't bother us so much because we're talking about the lineage here. So it makes sense to go in order of age. Aaron was older than Moshe by three years, so put Aaron first. The problem is the very next pasuk says the pair in the opposite order. First we have who Aaron Moshe, and then we have who Moshe Aaron, two psukim away from each other. So this is why Chazal say what they say. Why does one Pasuk say Moshe and Aaron? Why does one say Aaron and Moshe? Yesh Mekomos, Pasuk Chavav. Yesh Mekomos, Shemakdim Aaron Lemoshe, V'yesh Mekomos, Shemakdim Moshe Li'aron, Lomar Lecha, Sheshkulin Ke'echad. To teach me that they are equal. Shkulin ke'echa. They are equal. What does that mean? They're equal, right? It's one of the animamins that Moshe Rabbeinu is unique in the area of nevuah, the area of prophecy, right? Well, we say it in Yigdal. Lo kam Yisrael kamoshe od, naviu ma'bidas t'munaso. Every two lines of Yigdal is another one of the animamins. So we know. But in terms of his potential, in terms of what he fulfilled, what he had to do in life, Aaron and Moshe both fulfilled their 
both fulfill their potential. Says Rav Salvechik in source number eight. Yes, they both fulfill their potential, but they each had a different emphasis. And Jewish leadership needs both of these emphases. Sometimes, as in the case of Aaron and Moshe, it was in two different personalities. And at other times, it was, or even Bisman Hazeh, as the Rav is going to say, all great Jewish leaders have to try to do both. Follow the Moshe model and follow the Aaron model. Let's see. A pattern of dual leadership, line four, seems to have prevailed during major periods of Jewish history. It began with Moshe and Aaron. And it's exemplified today, he says, you could be machalic between the Rav and the Rebbe. The Rav and the Rebbe. What does he mean by that? It's stereotyping, but it's the Rav and the Rebbe. Moshe was the teacher par excellence. He was not called a king. He was Moshe Rabbeinu, but he had the din of a melech. Moshe Rabbeinu, the din of a melech. The source of Moreb Malchus is by Yehush, from Yehoshua, but Moshe also had the din of a melech. Moshe was more of the Malchus, the melech type of teacher. Aaron, who served alongside Moshe, was not only a Kohen Gadol, but a teacher as well. But he was the Kohen Gadol type of teacher. There's the king type of teacher, and there's the Kohen Gadol type of teacher. What's the difference? Let's continue. So we have the Rav and then we have the Rebbe. We have the king and we have the Kohen Gadol. Let's see now what Rev Salvechik says. Both Moshe and Aaron on the top of the next page were teachers, but their methods and temperaments differed. We might paraphrase this as he will soon, the mind and the heart. The two major traditions of Torah teaching may be called that of the Malchus teacher and that of the Kedusha, Kohen, one might say, teacher. Moshe was the prototype of the king teacher and Aaron the saint teacher in his words. Both of them enlightened minds, molded characters, propagated the world of God, the word of God. Both led their communities but their methods and approaches were very different and the media they employed were different. In terms of ultimate objectives, bring people closer to Hashem. Raise them up, help them live more fulfilling lives, make them feel that they're true, Avde Hashem, but the means were very different. Line 9. The king teacher addresses himself to the mind, engages the intellect, analyzing, classifying, clarifying, halacha, cut and dry, Precision, lundus, conceptual analysis, reconciling problems and texts. Who are in this category? He says Moshe Rabbeinu, the Rambam, the Gra, Reb Chaim. They all go to our mind. They all inspire us through our minds, through our brain, through our moach, through connecting to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, through the Das, as the Rambam describes himself at the end of Hilchus Me'ilah, the Mehadas. But... That's not enough. The same teacher in contrast, Aaron was Moshe's right-hand man. And sometimes it says Aaron first, sometimes it says Moshe first, as it says here. Even as he deals with the text, focus his attention upon the invisible, intangible soul of the Torah. Aaron, of course, follows halacha and teaches halacha. But he's also at the emotions. He's also at the soul. He's also at the neshama. The Torah, like a human being, has, according to the Zohar, well, second Zohar tonight. Both a physical body 
consisting of a thought system. There's the halacha. And then there's the neshama. The neshama of the halacha. An overflowing inward life, which can be felt but not understood. Obviously, the neshama of the halacha can't go out of the bounds of the halacha. It needs to reflect the halacha, but it's there. The soul of man, his experiences, must somehow be attuned to the soul of the Torah. And Aaron HaKohen, the same teacher, communicates with the heart. Not as much with the mind as Moshe, but with art. He tells the heart how to identify its own excited, accelerated beat with the Torah. To feel, not only to understand. Feel the loyalty to Halacha, that emotion, emotionally connected, right? Batel He teaches how a triumph is to be celebrated when the Hashem has granted success and how to cope with sadness and grief. The Kiyom believe of so many mitzvahs as Rav Solveitchik discusses in many of his Ma'amarim. In the ecstatic, passionate love of God, it is the heart, not the mind, which predominates tefillah, Tefillah, more than Torah, is the primary emphasis. Torah and Tefillah. Rav and Rebbe, mind and heart. All of this dichotomy. And then he continues, line 29. The Melech teacher, Moshe Rabbeinu, speaks to a select few. For not all are capable of being scholars. Not everyone is qualified to understand an abstract halachic or scientific concept. Not everybody can be in the Rosh Yeshiva's shir. Right, you have to build up. You have to. It has to get go, be watered down, so to speak. Right, Moshe Rabbeinu, the Gemara Eivin tells us first taught Aaron, then taught his sons, then taught others, then he left, and Aaron gave it. But as we know, Chazal tell us Aaron Akohen was Oiv Shalom Verodiv Shalom. More people in Klai Yisrael cried at Aaron's Levaya than at Moshe's Levaya. Moshe didn't have a Levaya, but at, at the crying, why? Kol Beis Yisrael. Chazal already pick up on it. Because Aaron connected in a different way. Aaron even connected the, the men and the women, the Shalom bias. But you need both. You need the, the raising up and the, and the integrity to the system, to the halacha, to the lundus, to the conceptual analysis. But we also need to be on fire with our hearts. The same teacher is a leader of the masses, for all Jews have hearts which can be set aflame. All Jews possess sensitive souls and seek God. And now skipping down, 42. Moshe was a model of the Rav, Aaron of the Rebbe. Moshe was a Kfad Peh. Not, but what does that mean, Kfad Peh? So we could say it physically at a speech impediment. No, it says the Rav Salvechik, it's deeper. Forget the physical speech impediment. Most people were more connected to Aaron possibly than to Moshe. Moshe was the greatest teacher. Obviously, he could teach anybody. Chas v'shalom. This isn't saying anything negative about Moshe. Just different. Moshe wasn't given to small talk, easy socializing, and extensive negotiations. What happened to Moshe? He went outside and sat in his oil outside the tent. You have a kasha, go talk to Moshe Rabbeinu. You have an issue you want to talk to him about? That's fine. Aaron wasn't outside the tent. Aaron went around. How you do? You know, so and so wants to apologize to you. You know, I'm sorry, you had a fight. He puts, puts his arm around the person. How you doing? Oh, Aaron's my friend. I better do better. Aaron was mu'urav because that was connecting to the hearts and the feelings. And finally, Rav Salvechik says, nowadays, line 49, the Rav, the contemporary teacher king, has absorbed many of the qualities of the Rebbe, not only teaching, but coming close to his people. The Rebbe, representing the modern teacher saint, now also emphasizes scholarship and the teaching role. Now, now the, the, the leaders, the leadership 
role and mantle is blurred. Because basically we have a Rebbe, whoever our Rebbe is, whoever our Rabbi is, whoever our teacher is, they have to fill both roles. And therefore it's the job, it's the job of every parent. It's the, right, it's the, uh, the, the fire of Sinai and the, uh, and the, the word of Sinai, right? Different, different feelings, but that's the Rav, that's the Rabbi, that's who Aaron and Moshe, and who Moshe and Aaron, because they're both needed in all, in all generations. Okay. Moving right along, so now we get into the Makos. We get into the Makos, Baruch Hashem. Everybody got to take out the picture, Haggadah's the Shabbos, just don't put it near the table with the Chametz, but take it out beforehand to look at it. And we have the Makos, Dam Svardeya. All the Makos are coming. We know the Hakaras Atov. Moshe doesn't do the first couple of Makos because he has Hakaras Atov for the dirt, for the water. And we get into Pereches. Pereches, after Dam and Svardeya and Kinim. Now we have, by Kinim, Hashem says to Moshe, Pasuk Yud base. Hit the dust. And there is lice all over. He does it. There's kinim all over. First time, the chartumim are stumped. They can't do it. We all know the Rashi, because Kishuv is not chal on something so tiny. Pachos bisaora, the smaller than a piece of barley. So we have to think about when we put the barley in the shalom this week. We have to think about kinim, not chas v'shalom, about kinim, really. We shouldn't think about kinim putting in the shalom. They have to check the barley. But uh, we have to realize that they, Hashem could do miracles even smaller than the size of the barley. What does the Pasuk say? We finally made some inroads. It's the finger of God. Vayechazak leif paro, paro's heart is hardened. Veloshama aleim, kasher tiber Hashem. Paro's heart is hardened, and he does not listen to them like Hashem commanded, like Hashem spoke. There are a lot of hymns in this pasuk. Paro's heart was hardened. He hardened his heart. He did not listen to them like Hashem spoke. Hashem spoke what? What exactly is this referring to? Right? Who, uh, Hash, did Hashem say that he wasn't going to listen to his chartumim? Did Hashem forecast that? We don't have a record of that. In the text, at least. So it's difficult to say that's what it means. Hashem didn't listen to them. He, they say, and Parah didn't listen. Like Hashem said. Hashem never said that. So what's Kashar Dibar Hashem? It's probably going back on the earlier phrase. Hash, his heart was hardened, as Hashem said. But ask the Nod to be Yehuda. Somebody put together the Nod to be Yehuda la Torah. He didn't write a commentary la Torah, but if you take all the Nod to be Yehudas and the Tzlachs and all those other Sparim, so then you have a Nod to be Yehuda la Torah. So if you look at the Nod to be Yehuda la Torah, quoting from the Tzlach in Chagiga Dafyud Beis, source number 10, he quotes also just the Pasik, the, the, uh, the connection between the first half and the second half of the Pasik. What does the Pasik say? The Chartumim say it's the finger of God, Pyro hardens his heart. So you might say, which we've always interpreted this to mean, that Paro rejected what they said. They said, Paro, it's the figure of God. And Paro says, tough, I'm not listening. But as we just said, it doesn't fit so well on the end of the Pasuk, because Hashem never forecast that, that he would reject the advice of the Chartumim. So the Pasuk doesn't really flow so smoothly 
in this regard? That's the question of the Nodabi Yehuda. Line 6. But how do you read the Pasuk then? So the Nodah Yehuda gives a very creative and new pshat, which is not the pashas of reading the Pasuk, but it's a unique and creative pshat. Says the Nodah Yehuda, the Tzlach, Rabbi Cheska Landau, source number 11. Vehine, top right. When Avram Avinu first came onto the world scene, Avram brought monotheism to the world. You have to believe in one God, an all-powerful God. And even though we don't have miracles recorded in the text by Avram, yes, the, the four kings and the five kings, but the miracles of the Kishan Aish is not recorded, but through Avraham, through Avraham's actions, and HaKadosh Baruch who's helping him out, he spread the idea that there is what we call a Baal Habira. There is a power that is in charge of everything that we see. Avraham Avinu brought that belief into the world. Right? Up until the time, nobody believed in it. The Hikiru line Even though it looks like nature, there is a power that is causing nature to appear. That's what Avram Avinu brought. Hashem set up this system and it's a perfect, amazing, wonderful system. So now, says the Nodabi Yehuda, the Ikiranisim where it's underlined. Hu al Yidei Shem Havaya Barachu. The name of Hashem, says the Nodabi Yehuda, different names of God reflect different attributes of who He, capital H, is. Two of the more well-known names of God that we discuss are Yudke Vavke, the Shem Havaya, and Elokim. Yudke Vavke represents HaKadosh Baruch Hu involving himself in the world in a supernatural way. Yudke Vavke, Haya, Hove, Veyiya. That's what we think about when we say that name. Hashem was, is, and will be. He is all-powerful. He is totally involved. Mashkiach totally does what he wants. Elohim is different. Elohim, as many point out, is the God of nature. He sets up nature to run in a perfect way. Elohim is gematria hateva, right? Nature. That's Elohim. When Paro is confronted by Moshe, what does he say? He says, I don't know who this is. Does he quote the Pasik? Lo yadati es Hashem, yudke vavke. Paro might have accepted a god of nature. He believed in a lot of gods. The sun god, the water god. There could be a god that controls nature, that is involved in nature and set it up. But he can't change nature. Paro was ready possibly to accept Elohim, but he didn't accept Yudkei Vavke. And that's exactly what the Nisim and the miracles and the Makos were meant to display. Everyone was changing nature. Everyone was overcoming. Until we even had it at the end of the Parsha. This is just jumping the gun a little bit. At the end of the Parsha, Maka number 7, which is the end of a unit, the end of the of the era. What's in Barad? In Hail, you have fire and water. Two of the gods that they believed in combining to go against them. 
Fire and water are two opposite gods coming together. Heard recently that maybe that's why he went out to the water at the beginning of the day, at, not only to go to the bathroom before any, nobody saw, because that's when the sun and the water, it's all connected, and power wanted to be like a god, but it all came together in Barat. It says the Nodim Yehuda, getting back to this, the Ikra Nisim line 12. Who are you? They shame Avaya Barachu. The Nisim were through Yudke Vavke. Ukamosha Baba Torah bin Iflos, Shaasa bin Mitzrayim, Tivarim Ayotzim and Ateva, Nomer, Viedu Mitzrayim, Kiani Hashem. The purpose of the Makos is to show Paro that he is Yudke Vavke. Avomitsan Midas Hadin, but through nature it wasn't going to happen. Paro didn't believe in, in Yudke Vavke, in the supernatural powers of Hashem. He was ready to accept Elohim. Says the Nodeh Yehuda, maybe the Pasik is exactly the opposite from the way that we normally understand it. We usually think of the Khartoumim saying, oh, it's Hashem, let him go free. They didn't say that yet here. That's later on. They say, let him go free. Right at the beginning of next week's Parsha. Let him, let him out. But here, all it says is that they say, Etzpa Elokim. Etzpa Elokim. What are the Khartoumim saying? Says another Behuda. They're saying, nah. It's a very, it's what a plague, these lice. It's all natural. It's not supernatural. It's etzba elokim, not etzba yudke vavke. The Khatumim weren't swayed yet. The Pasik flows. Paro says, what's going on? They couldn't create it, but that didn't stop them. It says they couldn't create it. Velo yacholu. And then it just says, Esbel Kim, they weren't re- ready to recognize that it was beyond nature. And therefore they said, Esbel Kim, power turns around and says, I agree 100%, I'm not letting them out. So it wasn't that Paro was rejecting what they said, but no, he was accepting what they said. And then the Pasuk flows beautifully. The Khartoumim say, Esbel Kim, Paro's heart was hardened because of them, and he didn't listen as Hashem told, foretold beforehand, that his heart would be hardened. A creative way of reading the Pasuk. Okay, two more thoughts. Two and a half more thoughts. First we have a Shvilei Chaim. Shvilei Chaim are safer from the Rav, from Canton, Ohio, from the 1950s and 1960s, says the Shvilei Chaim in source number 12. Again, there's a lot here. We're going to just say it mostly outside to save time. Said the Shvile Chaim, there are two opposite, this is a take-home Shvile Chaim, there are two opposite approaches that are about life, that are highlighted in this week's Parsha. We have the Mitzrayim, and then we have the Yehudim. Sometimes, says the Shvile Chaim, you could have the truth smack you in the face. But if you're so, if we are so stubborn, and our eyes are closed, then we're just going to push it away and say, it didn't happen. So many times in history we have that, but when we have that from a nation, it's right here. It's the Mitzrayim. Time and time again, they're smacked in the face. Ten makos. And it continues to Bishalach. The Ramban points out. They see Kriyas Yamsov, and what do they say? What a strong tide. Let's go and chase them. One of the most unbelievable psukim that they chased after them into the water. Says the Shvi Lechayim. It could be such an action. 
Kenoda, where it's underlined. Yeshnim b'nei adam ke'ele. Sha'akshonim heim mitivam. V'chachamim heim b'neim. They're so smart in their own eyes. Mikivach Yisraglu l'arachayim. Yadua. Na'ateslam keva. You can't move them. You can't change them. You could have the greatest miracle in the world. Nothing's going to happen. You find this also by by Art by Barad. They didn't take their animals in. They didn't even think there was a Havamina that the Maka would take place. Over and over again, you have them. As fellow Kim, as basically what we just said, there's hardly a chance that it's not true, but they latch onto it. And then you have the opposite. You have a downtrodden people. You have a people that has been subjugated for 209 years. They've been sitting in Mitzrayim. And there's no hope. It's, it's, what does it look like? And all of a sudden, they hear the magic words. They hear it. And all of a sudden, they believe. And all of a sudden, they say, it's happening. And all of a sudden, they have hope. They have a tikva. They have a, a hope that doesn't make sense. That's a Jew. It doesn't mean it's not. What do you mean? It's a, look. It's not true. Yes, we're the opposite. Ninety-nine point nine percent chance the Mitzrayim see. Nah, it's nothing. The Jews are still getting terrible, subjugated. No, we believe. Two opposite perspectives. And said the Shvili Chaim. Obviously, this has to come into our life. In the end, he says on line thir- on the right before the end. The next page, we have to make sure we're not in the stubborn type of people. We have to make sure we're in action the other way. We are so stubborn in our emun and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It doesn't make sense, but you know what? We're Am Oref, that with all the tragedies that happen to us, we don't leave God alone. We keep davening to Him, and we keep looking to Him, and we keep saying, we're not letting go, you can't let go either. And that, we can use the Akshanis in the opposite way, uh, and we have to make sure that we keep that in mind. Okay, finally, let's just end off with the Ber Yosef. Ber Yosef gives us a little appreciation, and really every maka can be analyzed at length as we discuss Pesach time. One of these thoughts I think we've mentioned in the past, but just a little detail, a little detail about two of the makas. We talk about all the Makkas, but about a little of the Makkas to give us an appreciation of what the Mitzrayim rejected and the Gabos of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We know the Makkas are generally described exactly, and they're called based on exactly what occurred. Dam, because everything turned to blood. Svardeya, there were frogs. Kinim, there were lice. Arov, there were wild animals. What does Arov mean? Mixture. Could have thought of a better name for that maka. Chayas Rose. Right? Makas Bechoros is also two words. Okay, why do we say Makas Bechoros? Why don't we just say Bechoros? Good question, not for now. But Chayos, Behemos, Tarfos, right? Predators. Why do we call it mixture? Right? The locusts also had a mixture. We don't call that Arov. We call that Arbe. Call that Choshech. Arov's the only one. We don't call it what it is. We describe an element of it. There was a mixture of animals. Why is that such a detail to, not only that we call it that, the Torah calls it that, Arov Kaved Ma'od, a very heavy Arov, and take away the Arov. Why is it called Arov? Mu'urav. Why is that such an important detail? Explains the Bear Yosef. Source 14. 
Tzarech Tam Lama Nikras Magazu Shal Mishlachas Chayus Dafka Al Shemir Bubya Shal Achayus Vyefshar Says the Ber Yosef Ber Yosef Misalat It's possible It's possible as follows The mixture emphasizes and highlights the miraculous nature of this Makkah because as we know various animals need opposite climates to live a polar bear and a hippopotamus and a giraffe and a zebra and a crocodile and all the others, the desert animals and the North Pole animals need different climates. So how are they all there? How do they get to Mitzrayim? It says there, all Chayas Rose. There wasn't one type of Chayarah that was not in Mitzrayim. Everyone made it. Everyone participated. And yet, how did it happen? That was the miracle. HaKadosh Baruch Hu not only brought all the Chayos, but he brought them, as the Pasuk says, he's Medayik, he created all of their climates around the animals so that they could all exist. Hashem wasn't going to create new types of animals. A polar bear that could exist in the desert doesn't say that he created new animals. It says he brought all the animals. He created around them their climate that they need to live, to survive. Ki yikra lefamim, line 14. He says, sometimes you find animals that are parades from the jungle and get into places with this population. But you never have all different types of opposite animals coming in. That was the goblus of the Makkah of Arov. The mixture itself. Wild animals coming in, okay. But every single type, but all different wild animals. A little detail. That's why we call it Arov. We'll have to mention this again in a couple of months by the Haggadah this year. One idea, that's Arov. And what about, let's talk about the last Makkah in the Parsha. Number seven, Barad. I think we mentioned this before. But just to mention it again, Rashi quotes at the end of the Parsha on Barad, source 15, Pasuk says, Tomorrow, I'm bringing Barad. Rashi quotes, At this moment, tomorrow. What does that mean? He scratched a line onto the wall. When the sun hits this mark, boom, it's going to start falling. Bar is going to start falling. Ask the Bar Yosef again. Gabemakas Dever. By Dever it also says. Machar Yasa Dever is a Machar. Chazal didn't pick up on that. Sarah Losrita Bakosel. He drew a, a scratch on the wall. Why Dafka by Barad? Says the Bar Yosef. Amazing. It's Mefurish, but we don't catch it. What does Rashi say? The second that the sun hits this scratch, it's going to start hailing. Is it sunny when it starts hailing normally? What do you mean when the sun hits the scratch? It's going to be a dark, dreary, cloudy day. No. It was sunny and, and balmy outside. And the hail started coming down. Because this wasn't hail from clouds. This was hail from God. Fire and water and ice coming together. And that also was a miracle that Klai Yisrael have sunny skies. And this hail coming down from sunny skies. That's the godless. It was similar to Yoshua. Hashem avanim gedolos What, the stones? It had to be cloudy that day? No. 
Hashem wants Barad to come down from the, even when it's sunny, when the sun hits this spot. That was Barad. Barad was on a sunny day. Right? Two little details about the Makos to try to give us an appreciation. But we have to realize, this period of time of Yitzhiyah's Mitzrayim is the most miraculous time in history. We have so many mitzvahs that we have to remember this time. So through these parshias, the more details that we can think about, it will help us every day when we try to fulfill the mitzvah that we have every day and night of our life, the mitzvah of Zechir Yitzhiyah's Mitzrayim. Okay, we'll stop here. We'll continue next time with the last three Makos and Parshas Bo.